0: On the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
1: Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome inside the clubhouse right here on 670 to score or your free Odyssey app broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score studios. I'm David Hall along with Bruce Levine talking baseball as we do every week, being the first right here to second guess both managers in town every Saturday morning, especially today, right, Bruce? Good morning, partner. How's it going?
2: Absolutely, David. Yeah, second-guessing is, uh, if we had a middle name for the Inside the Clubhouse show, would it would be, uh, be second-guess, uh, Inside the Second-Guess Clubhouse. And, uh, I mean, that's the beauty of baseball beyond any other sport, David, as I continue to uh, segue and get lost in commentary at the beginning of the show rather than in the middle of it, where uh, baseball – is the best suited sport beyond any to uh get uh, the monday morning manager every single day of the 162 game season and the and the beauty of it is is that um baseball fans are so astute in the sports in particular in chicago that uh when, when we take calls at 312-644-6767 we know we're going to get stuff that not only we're thinking about but hadn't thought about before so that's your cue to join us anytime between 9 and 11 today.
1: There are 162 games, nine innings per game at least, and so there are plenty of opportunities. Yes, to second-guess your favorite manager. What do you think about David Ross and Pedro Grifol? One week into the season, there have been plenty of opportunities already. Bruce, we will get to those, but we want to set up the show right now. Hayden Wesneski, the Cubs rookie right-hander, will join us. At 9.30, we will talk throughout about the moves that the managers have made that maybe have stood out. But let's start with where both teams stand as we sit here this morning. Cubs at 3-3, three and three, back on the uh, Wrigley Field uh, today with Justin Steele. Uh, a 3 o'clock start, kind of an unusual start, and the White Sox out in Pittsburgh trying to regroup and recover. They're 3-5 and five as we talked this morning, and they are atrocious in terms of their pitching. They have the worst pitching in the league so far this season in terms of ERA, 7.7 ERA, Bruce. Yesterday they gave up 13 runs to the Pirates a day after giving up 16 to the Giants. Their defense, they're giving up more than the Bears, and the Bears, relatively speaking, this is a bad start for the White Sox pitching. I don't know where you want to start. I think Marcus Stroman was outstanding. Lucas Giolito was not. But, Bruce, to me, I think the White Sox, not – not being able to pitch the first week of the season is as, as uh, surprising as anything else that's happened.
2: I have a theory, David, and you've heard a lot of my theories uh, on this show for the last two or three years that we've been doing it. And that is the white Sox to me, both on the field and scheduling wise look like extended spring training to me, this, this has the feel of spring training games in in Arizona. That that this has not progressed to the major league part of it because you're seeing scores going up there. You're seeing pitching that uh, pitchers that aren't quite ready to throw <clears throat> six innings outside of uh, Dylan Cease. You're seeing teams that you never saw before back to back early in the season because of the new balanced schedule, which by the way, we'll get into a little bit later. I'm one of the people that do not like this balanced schedule. You have I love it. The be- I love it, begin- Bruce. Yeah, well, I love it. If if we'll argue later, to, I love it. Yeah. If you can relate to opening day against the San Francisco Giants for anybody but the Chicago Cubs rather than not the Chicago White Sox, I'm with you. But opening the two series uh, with uh, the first two series with San Francisco and at Pittsburgh – that's going to take some getting used to for me as far as the new balance schedule and, and being able to accept uh, that baseball actually has two different leagues because we're being pushed, David, into a new type of baseball. And if people don't know it out there, they're going to find out now that there will no longer be an American National League within five to seven years in Major League Baseball. And
1: why is that bad? I'll play along. Why is that bad, Bruce? The, you, you don't have... The difference is that everybody's got a DH now. If everybody's got a DH now, everybody's playing by the same rules. Yeah. Why not have the same schedule?
2: Why have the World Series? Why have a record book? Okay, why why have why have bragging rights in a city like Chicago? Why don't you just put the Cubs and White Sox together as one team? You know, chaos. I mean, it, That's total chaos, Bruce. What would we do? I, I know. Okay. I'm, I'm not making this up when I tell you that the homogenization of Major League Baseball is the plan, and that down the road, the World Series will look something like United States against Japan in uh, 2030, okay, for the real World Series, and that this will just be a playoff uh, situation all the way through what used to be the World Series here. In uh, the United States, and that it's going to be a national, it's going to be an international completion to Major League Baseball season.
1: And while I'm shaking here in my boots, Bruce, I'm looking ahead to this week at Wrigley Field where the, one of the best young players in baseball will actually get to show up and Cubs fans have the privilege of watching Julio Rodriguez. That's the beauty of all this interleague play and the and the, and the the schedule and playing everybody because you get exposure to the stars in baseball and maybe, just maybe, people outside of Orange County will know what Mike Trout looks like this year around baseball.
2: You know... Uh... Back in uh, 1948, right before I was conceived, uh, they, they came up with this thing called television. David, <laughs> it, television games, baseball on TV. I don't know if you're aware of it. Uh, some something it, for some people, it's now called you know streaming games. That uh, you you can see these players anytime you want. Don't tell me that you know a certain not to say. Outside, I will agree with you. I I will agree with you on the Angels. Okay, I will agree that people will buy ahead to come and see the Angels, uh, whether they're on the south side or the north side, because they have two of the greatest superstars in the history of Major League Baseball playing for them. But to to me, you know, the idea of um, you know playing interleague games to start the season is just it's it's just not. It's I can't get used to it. I, I don't like it. And uh, you know we've segued away from the the real opening, which is yeah, about me, whether or not the White Sox are are going to be able to uh, even out here and get their pitching together. Yeah,
1: let me get this train back on the track so that we have the White Sox to discuss. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Also, let's start with the Cubs. Marcus Stroman outstanding on Friday. The weather allowed the Cubs to. Uh, move his start back to Wrigley Field, where he has been outstanding. And for the second start in a row, he did not give up a run, Bruce. Six innings, Marcus Stroman was dominant. And this is the first Cub pitcher to go at least six innings without giving up a run since Mike Bilecki in 1991, and only the fourth in Cubs history. Marcus Stroman is off to an outstanding start. He pitched in the World Baseball Classic, and not surprisingly, when he spoke post game about why he is off to the start that he is, he credited maybe the fact that he did start pitching for Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic as getting him ready for the season.
3: 17 when I played in that WBC, I feel like I had one of the best starts to my season. I came out and threw 200 innings after that year. So like I was saying last time, I just feel like it puts you in that competitive mind frame and gets you going much earlier than spring training. Spring training, you can kind of go through the motions at times so playing super competitive, I mean, playoff-level atmosphere, baseball in March, it's extremely fun. But not only fun, it, it makes you get ready for the start of the season. So, yeah, I feel like I'm definitely more prepared because I was able to experience those games.
1: Bruce, he's pitching like an ace.
2: Yeah. Is he going to be made, able to make 32 starts, though? That's that's the key. Uh, you know, with the WBC effect we'll see sometime down the road here. <clears throat> um, I, you know, again, I don't want to get off the tracks again ranting about the WBC, but uh, preparing pitchers uh, three weeks early for spring training and getting their innings up uh, like Lance Lynn's right now um, might not be the best thing in the world. It just might not be the right thing to do, especially when you have a veteran pitcher like Lynn who's had good first halves, good second halves, uh, trying, you know, always a bulldog, but not necessarily, uh, you know, being able to keep it together physically because of his age and because of just the way that he he is, um, you know, pushes his way through games. Um, Again, we won't segue into the WBC right now. Let me ask you a
1: question about that, Bruce. Let let me ask you a question because I I had this yesterday when I was listening to Marcus Stroman after watching him dominate uh, the Rangers, a very good lineup, by the way, and 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 I don't want to oversimplify it, but let, you're right about pointing out Lance Lynn it did not have a good start his last time out. And you do wonder, and I've said this on the Mullen Haas show, about whether the wisdom of a guy like that, when you have 32, 33 starts, you want to preserve every possible you know, pitch that he throws. But I ask you this, with the pitch clock, with the way the game has maybe changed in, in the tempo and the rhythm, and the guys who are maybe laborers, guys who may – be, you know, like, is Marcus Stroman benefiting from the fact the game is at a quicker pace because he's in better shape than some of these guys who maybe aren't, and maybe that plays to his advantage because, you know what, you watch Marcus Stroman, that was a two-hour and 18-minute masterpiece yesterday, and part of the reason that he was able to do what he did might have been because, you know, he he just pitches at that pace better than others. He's in better shape.
2: It was a well-pitched game. A masterpiece would be nine innings, wouldn't it? Um, am I going Uh, too old school on you?
1: Well, no, I, I, yeah, you're right. But like, given the, given the expectations of starting pitchers in today's major league baseball, that was a masterpiece. It was a
2: a very well pitched game, right? I mean, and again, uh, uh, with, with the advent of more bullpen people and, uh, you know, cutting down guys innings, we're we're not going to see too many 200 inning pitchers anymore in major league baseball. Uh, I get it, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure he was ready. And, and he looks, you know, he looked really good at the beginning of last year. And, and they, were, they were blowing games for him with bad defense, okay, before he got hurt in uh, the late spring and before early summer. <clears throat> this guy's a very good pitcher. And, and, and he might be on, on that type of mission again because he is a uh, would be free agent again after this year. He can walk from his uh, three year deal after this season. So, um, there, there's a mission there and maybe there's a mission for the cub <clears throat> front office to go, you know what? We're not going to let it get to that. We're going to ex- extend this guy right now. Okay. I'm going to call you out there for you. You,
1: you, you, you okay. call me out. I'm gonna call you out. Okay. Two starts into Marcus Stroman's strong start to the season is not the time to be talking about whether or not he's going to opt out of a contract. No. Let him pitch. Okay. let him
2: let him pitch i didn't know that this show was a uh, fascist or communist i didn't <laughs> i had no idea
1: <laughs> it is you neither. are
2: the czar you are the it czar of the show
1: <laughs> i'm just saying let him pitch bruce i don't want to worry i want to be i want to be able to appreciate what he's doing before worrying about what he who he's going to be pitching for next year and, and let me ask you this though you know this a guy who has leaned into Pitching at Wrigley Field and likes everything about it. Why would he want to leave if he has success here?
2: The money, M-O-N-E-Y. That's that's why. Twenty. You, you, you think he can pay all his bills on a three-year, seventy-one million-dollar contract? I'm
1: worried about him. I'm worried. I'm worried about him paying his bills on only twenty-seven million
0: dollars.
2: <laughs> it's not, it's not that he's greedy. It's just he's. It, Baseball players and sports players are opportunistic. Okay, this would be an opportunity to say, "Hey, you still have Hendricks, your former ace, on the shelf." According to my information, David, it might be June rather than May before he's hmm. back. That's, that's not good. <laughs> that's well, no, no. I mean, he's 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 doing well. It's just a slow roll. He hasn't. He's still starting to throw bullpens. He's not started to, to go out and pitch yet. So with that in mind, it's probably going to be late May or June before we see him. <clears throat> so, excuse me, my point is, this guy's a true ace of your staff at this point, okay? Or You, you have really good other pitchers, you know, coming along too. You know, you have Tyone, who is probably going to be a really good pitcher for him this year. You have Steele showing up as possibly one of the best young left-handed pitchers in the National League if he can prove it this year. But but you need that uh, that ace, and and Stroman
1: is pro- probably that guy for the next few years. And, Bruce, so in the sixth inning yesterday, Tommy Haudenbeck goes out to the mound to kind of slow things down. David Ross could have replaced Marcus Stroman, and he didn't. And it paid off. That was one of those moves that this week – uh, you wondered, and we talk about second guessing managers. At the time, I wondered, okay, what is he going to do here? Do you stick with Stroman? I thought it was the right call. It did pay off, but other people had other opinions. Other opinions have been flying around because David Ross earlier in the week decided to bunt with Patrick Wisdom in a one run game. He decided to stay with Drew Smiley maybe longer than some Cub fans would have liked. You talk to david ross on friday before the opening of the rangers cub series just about how all of these opinions how all of the scrutiny affects managers and just the nature of second guessing and this was a, this was your exchange
0: well i try not to uh try to answer the questions you guys get i don't i don't get on the uh, twitter machine or anything like that but people check in uh, on me i think when it goes awry on there and ask how i'm doing um, i think part of my job is to answer the questions that you guys might have or the fans might have. I know a lot of that goes to you guys. Part of my job is to, to take criticism when I make those decisions and um, explain my answers as best I can without giving away any kind of competitive advantage or things that I might think about. So, um, I mean, how I handle it, I, I just try to be the same person every single day and keep my processes and uh, the reason why I make those decisions, um, have the information, and do the best I can.
1: Good stuff from Rossi, Bruce. I mean, obviously, that's part of the job. He understands it. And uh, he did receive some some second-guessing this week that I think was warranted after the Patrick Wisdom thing, but he explained it well, and he's never afraid, never shy to address these kind of things.
2: Yeah, and how about on the other side of town? That bunker, there's there's, there's a lot of explosives uh, uh, going off in that bunker for Pedro Grafal, You know, I mean, I, I saw him. You know, a real tell for me last night was uh, the late afternoon when the Sox game ended that disaster. He was patting guys on the back at the end, uh, you know, standing at the top step, looking at the expression of all his players coming off, standing there. I thought that was <clears throat> that was good managing at the end. I mean, <clears throat> it was. I mean, he <clears throat> he's standing there, patting guys in the back, looking at them in the face and saying, hey, it's not the end of the world. So it looks like it. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, Ross was criticized uh, this week earlier. So was Grafall in a blowout game before it was a blowout game. He had Jake Berger uh, pinch hit for by sheets in the right. early part in the fourth of the inning.
1: game. In yeah. The fourth fourth inning, Bruce.
2: Yeah. Which turned out to be a blowout. Right. And so he was trying to uh, accomplish a couple things. Number one, he saw that, uh, the uh, Giants' bullpen wasn't going to have a left-hander, so he went to to Berger, He went from burger to Sheets, thinking he'd get more production. And two, he'd get Sheets and a batter or two, just like he did burger. So, with with that in mind, uh, you know it's a tough place to be. The dugout's a tough place to be for major league managers these days. Uh, even when you do well, you get scrutinized not only by the fan base and the front office, but but by the the metrics people. You know, the uh, as as some of my baseball for all time baseball friends call them the uh you know, what are they what's the the little something
1: heads that they call them propeller or heads propeller yeah, heads. that's a, yeah yeah that, that's not a term of endearment but uh no I know that no they, but but i mean they, they're called that
2: yeah the metrics departments uh, departments are very essential you know and important to to all the departments so we don't make light of them but nonetheless, to everybody answering... but the
1: commissioner Bruce, to everybody but Rob Manfred, who said that basically baseball is uh, with the analytics uh, departments growing, arms race to nowhere is the way he I think described it as. Okay, well, you know, that's your that's your commissioner. I mean, that's your commissioner basically poo pooing every every uh, analytic department and what it means. to – That was a bad. Uh, that was well, a bad he moment didn't say Rob that man. the but, World Series
2: trophy was just another little piece of metal. No, th-
1: this was the latest oh, dumb thing that uh, came out of his okay. mouth. But we digress. The Score Listener Line is powered by BetQL. Bet smarter, beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Let's start the conversation with Frank, who is in River Forest. Good morning, Frank. Welcome inside the clubhouse.
0: Good morning, guys. Great show. Um, I just want to tell you, as being a Sox fan since 1956, this is the most disgraceful pitching staff early in the season I've ever seen. These guys should be ashamed of themselves. They can't find the strike zone. 90 pitches after four innings. The relief pitching stinks, and you hit it right on the head with that earned run average. you just lucky it's that. And another thing, I think they're the only roster in baseball that don't have a left-handed starting pitcher. Maybe a lefty would have came in handy against a four or five left-handed hitters that the Giants have in their lineup. I'll listen to your answer thanks guys
1: amen Frank boy Bruce 19 hits against the Pirates 13 homers in the series against the Giants they haven't the Giants haven't hit that many home runs in a series since Willie Mays was playing center field back in 1961 this White sox pitching staff stinks the first week hmm how do I rebut that? I, I you know, it's just <laughs> You don't have it, to. I, I, you know I'll, what Bruce you know. Bruce Bruce, you you can actually agree with me sometimes. You can actually nod your head and say, Hey, you know what? You're right, David. You're right. Good point. All right. Good
2: point, David, but I will give you the seven you know, the the eight games into the season mode, okay. Okay. So so is it are is are Giolito and Lynn going to stink all year, okay. We, we, we're going to have to see a lot more of them to make that uh, assumption here. They're very good pitchers. They've been good pitchers for a long time. Uh, let's, do you give them a mulligan? Not, not Mike Mulligan, but do you give them an idea that, uh, okay, we can have bad starts. Hitters can be a little bit ahead right now, even though that's usually not the case. But we're going to have to wait and see, you know. Again, I love the, my I,
1: mulligans, but I am going to still be triggered by the first week of the season, Bruce. I'm sorry, I reserve that right. I'll, I'll, I'll just,
2: uh, a caution on the side of these guys have a track record. Uh, they have, uh, they have a record on the back of their baseball cards. If you look there, if it's not baseball reference or baseball savant that you're going to, and it's, it's there. So. Let's, uh, let's cool. It's not necessarily – it's not the NFL. We're not going to play 17 games this year, okay? We're, let's we're squeeze in Gator
1: not. Dale, who's on the north side. Gator Dale, welcome inside the clubhouse.
2: Hey, guys. How you doing? Hey, real quick. You know, you're talking about pitching both on the north side and the south side. You know, don't tell me the owners are, you know, poor and everything like that. Bruce, you got a job to do as an investigative impor- reporter. At the end of this season,
0: and I've already talked to uh, some of the vendors, they've already said sales are down. When you have 41,000 fans for the Cubs Sox series in, in July or whenever, okay, and the game takes two hours and seven minutes, okay, I want to know how many millions of dollars either the Cubs or Sox lose through the beer sales from going in the extra mile. If they're not going to cry about it, they got the money to go out there and sign a, a, a frontline pitcher like scherzer you know or whoever so don't tell me that the money is tight and all this other stuff and we're going to hold off and revenue is down and all that other crap because they're just lying through their teeth
1: thanks dale appreciate the phone call bruce you've been promoted to investigative reporter there's plenty of places to go for a beer after the game isn't there david there are (laughs) are. i don't definitely you can I mean, you can drink anywhere you want, but I don't know that it will – his point's a good one. When you got faster games, I do wonder what effect it will have on concessions. I think that's well, look, going to be I, an ongoing
2: story. I, I, a lot of the vendors and my friends and have been for, for decades, okay? They're hardworking guys, and uh, two hours and 17 minutes is not going to get it done for them uh, all the time. But uh, they, they made money back in the 60s and 70s when some of these guys were actually in their 70s still vending okay out there um, uh, we're making money back then too I don't know if they drank more back then or not I uh, haven't done the test but all I can tell you is um, two hours and 17 minutes is, is a great thing should be celebrated there were 22 runs scored in the sox game and they still did it in two hours and 48 minutes okay that's that's 20 minutes that's 20 minutes off of the average a game from last year okay so that's a beautiful thing in itself
1: yeah if you're going to take a beating at least you made it quick and it was for the white Sox and the pirates when we come back hayden wesniewski the cubs rookie right-hander joins us here on inside the clubhouse it's chicago sports radio 670 the score
0: we're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670TheScore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
1: Welcome back, David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. It's time now to go out to our guest hotline presented by Circa Resort Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And that's where we find the Cubs. Fine young right-hander, Hayden Wisniewski. Hayden, thank you for joining us this morning. How are you? Of
3: course. How's it going? going?
1: Doing well. Uh, Congratulations on having a tremendous spring and winning the job in the rotation. Your first time out against the Reds. You probably, as I read and heard you you talk about, you weren't thrilled, but you weren't necessarily devastated either. Four and two-thirds innings, three earned runs, six hits. You gave up two home runs, two walks, and four strikeouts overall a couple of days later how does it look in the rearview mirror uh
3: I, I commanded the ball for the most part i wouldn't spend it great and um man I, i'm glad i was throwing strikes for the most part i know i threw two walks but uh they were good at bats and uh if i if i i'm two home runs away from having a, a really good outing
2: uh hayden thanks again for joining us david and i really appreciate your time today and uh I know what a hard worker you are because when I first asked you to come on around ten, you go, oh, you know, I have work to do. Can, we, can I do it at nine thirty? And I said, sure, no doubt. And and you know that just shows you the commitment that you have as well as your teammates to uh, the season. When uh, when you look at coming from the Yankees to the Cubs and then immediately getting thrown into uh, you know after being at Iowa for a short period of time, having your first starts. What what resonated right away that allowed you to be successful? Do you think it was uh, being the ability not to let the moment to get too big or the idea that you came in and you threw strikes, which is the first thing that people like us look at uh, for a young pitcher? What was the key for you uh, to feel comfortable and ready to pitch in the big leagues?
3: Uh, first and foremost, just trying to be myself, right? That, that includes throwing strikes and, and stuff like that. But... Uh, I would say that the reason I was probably really successful last year is because um, the people inside the the clubhouse are, they're good people. They're, they're nice. They're willing to help. They're ready to to make you better. And, and you walk in day one and you have guys that are willing to help you and, and, and try to lead me in the right direction. It makes it a lot easier. I get really comfortable really fast. And when you you give, you give somebody some comfort, they can be themselves. And I think that, that's that's kind of what you saw last year. That I was comfortable, and I was I was I was really enjoying my time there. And uh, Tommy and 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 Moscow and all the staff and and some of, and a lot of the players were just really open arms for me to just come in and and give me no other option but to succeed.
1: You know, Hayden, I think that everyone who can listen to you and watch you understands that you have a lot of self-awareness, and that can be a strength. And I wonder sometimes if can it serve almost as a weakness because. You uh, in the way you're processing things, and I wonder how difficult it is to manage that anxiety. I, I under, you probably were really amped on your first start of the season. And knowing what it, you're doing and, and having the, the presence of mind can be great, but can it also do you have to learn how to manage that and, and use that to your advantage as you get older and get more experience??
3: Oh, hundred percent guy there's I've seen guys that have been really self-aware and they've been so aware that they kind of paralyze themselves. And it's something that I deal with and um, I appreciate like the compliment because I do try to be self-aware with everything. Um, but it's one of those things that, yeah, it can hurt you, but if you use it the right way, it's a, a very positive thing. I've always thought that like, they didn't be like, God, when I'm, throwing or doing anything, I feel like they can't beat me. I beat myself. It's one of those things. So, uh, so yes, I, I agree. It's one of those things where it can be very, very helpful. Um, But also there are certain situations where you look back and you go, man, just get out of my own way. And anybody that's ever worked with me knows that sometimes I get in my own way.
2: Hayden Wisniewski, our guest on inside the clubhouse. Hayden, when you uh, go from Yankee to cub, how long does it take you to uh, shake the pinstripes from uh, New York put on the Cubs uh, uniform here and feel like you're at home
3: uh, not not too long not as long as you think it would um, I will say this though when I was in Iowa uh, the first couple weeks were tough I, I didn't I didn't know anybody and then on top of that usually like when you play with somebody and you're on your past team, they know somebody on the, the, the team you're going to. And I didn't know. So like no one knew anybody on the Iowa Cubs, And so I couldn't just go up to somebody and be like, Hey, like, you know him and like try to start a conversation. So I was just starting with a clean slate. I didn't know who to talk to. I didn't know anything about anybody. I didn't know who the prospects were. I didn't know who the older guys were. I didn't care. I was just trying to figure out. And I kind of used, tried to use it, um, just to get to know guys, not, not to have like a, a judgment right off, right off the bat, you know? And so um, at first it was kind of tough, just getting to know everybody again, because you are leaving your friends um, behind, but um, it didn't take, it take as long as I thought it would. I got to know the guys in Iowa and then I got moved up and and we had guys like Wade Miley and yawn and, and Drew Smiley and some of these, and some of these guys that are very, they're veterans that are very open to help out and um and they, they're really easy to talk to and stuff. And so it took a lot less time than I thought it would, um, but it still did take some time.
1: So, Hayden, take us back a couple of weeks. You're a competitive guy. The fifth start of the job is open. It was very much something people were talking about and, and monitoring throughout spring training. You find out you won the job. Your parents happened to be in town. I think you were celebrating your mom's birthday. How special of a memory was that, and what do you remember about that night?
3: Man, I can't believe you remember that. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're they're pumped. I don't – it's one of those things where uh, you put your, your whole career, you try to put yourself in this situation, and then it's tough because you're, my whole career I've been fighting to try to get on the team. And at that point, it's like now you have a chance to be on the team. Like you actually are – one of the options and it's like it's a different fight it's a different mental battle that you have to fight like remember hey i still have to pitch like you you this isn't given and um, when i found out that uh, i got the fifth spot it was one of those things where we we, of course me and my parents celebrated and we had a nice dinner and stuff and um but they were pumped and, and um i was really excited but i knew that was that was just the beginning of the work that had to come you know
2: Hayden, uh, when uh, you think about the catchers that you have, you have two outstanding veteran catchers and have uh, Gomes and Barnhart to throw to uh, <clears throat> a lot of teams like the White Sox are using pitchcom and a lot of uh, their, their pitchers are, are throwing their own games. Okay. They're, they're, they're making all the calls with pitchcom. I know the Cubs don't do a lot of that. Would you have a preference? Uh, would you like to eventually call your own games or, Is that something that uh, you feel is uh, a few years away in your uh, in your career?
3: Oh, definitely a few years away. I would like to eventually be able to call my own game, but
2: we're we're not there yet.
3: And especially with uh, the two guys that are behind the plate, I mean, they see stuff that I I just don't. Like it's, I don't I don't know how to explain it. It's like I don't know. Like for example, last year, um, we were playing against I was playing throwing against the Reds and. Uh, I, I threw a, a sinker, I think, and, and one of the guys swung and Yon goes, uh, we finished standing. And I go in the dugout and I go, Yon, like what happened? Like and that sinker, I thought he was on it. Like he, he looked like he swung through it. Why did you call another sinker? And he goes, no, he hit it off the label. Like you, you definitely need to throw it again. We, he goes, Yon goes to hit and I zoom in on the video, me and Tommy do. And what do you know? The guy hit it freaking right on the label. It's like, dude, I can't see that. It looks like he's on the pitch for me from my angle, but Jan sees exactly where he hit it and stuff like that. So it's like, it's one of those things where him and Tucker are just so good back there, and they've done it for so long, and they've seen everything. They they feel where the hitter's at, and they feel kind of how the hitter is it's moving. And honestly, when you're throwing the ball sometimes, it's like you miss things. And so you kind of just trust those guys And until I get a feel for – how to call my own game and when to do uh, do this, when they do that, I kind of just lean on them. And I think that's a few years away. Um, I don't think I'm very close to calling my, my own game on Pitchcom yet.
1: So as you work with Tommy Haudenby before your next start, Hayden, what is the point of emphasis? What are the kinds of things you want to get better at from the first start to the second? Uh, it's
3: spinning the ball again. Getting back to getting on the – spinning the ball. My, my slider needs to be a little better, be able to put in better locations, um, my cutter it needs to be better than it was as well So, uh, and I'm kind of messing with some changeups. I got hurt a little bit last start with change-ups and um, I don't think they're moving as well as, I, as moving from uh, Arizona to Chicago or Cincy or whatever but um, I like my fastball lines. I love how I was commanding the, the fastball and I love how hard I was throwing and stuff like that and I'm moving well. I just need to be able to spin the ball a little bit better and put the and spin it where i want to you know and that's i think where i was missing last start
2: hayden last one from me and david and i really appreciate mm-hmm. your time uh today of course. uh when you when you're out there and when you're in preparation um how much do you uh, pay attention to the metrics how much do uh does the pitch lab go into uh, effect for you or are you more a touch and feel guy I would
3: say I'm more of a touch and feel guy. Uh, I'm one of those guys that he, I grew up with all the metric stuff. And uh, the way I, I, I look at it is all metrics are for, for at least me is that I know how my stuff moves, right? Like my, num- my numbers for this pitch are this and this. And so when I throw and I have an outing and, and after like today, I'll go look at it and um, – we'll look at the numbers and we just want to make sure that they're the same or if, okay, why are they different? You know, it's one of those things where like we're just comparing from start to start and making sure things are getting um, way out of whack. And, and, and sometimes it's not, sometimes the ball is moving where you, how you want it to, but you leave it in a bad location. So like, that'll tell you as well, like, Hey, I threw a really good pitch. I just threw it in the best in a bad spot. That's why I got hurt. So it's one of those things where it, the metrics – I'm not trying to make my numbers really, really good. I just want to make sure that all my stuff is moving the same as it always has. And then if it is, why is it getting hit? Is it getting hit because it's not moving the same? Okay, we need to change that. And if it's in a bad location, then we, we are, the pitch is fine. Don't mess with the pitch. I can just adjust where I throw it.
1: Hayden, before we let you go, I have to have you answer this question honestly. Do you or any member of your family – own a Wes Nasty t-shirt <laughs> <laughs>
3: no uh no I, I'm I'm in the works of, of dealing with doing something with that but no I do not own a Wes Nasty t-shirt I, in our pre-game meeting the other day uh for the game Tommy comes in there and goes ask me he goes hey we got Wes Nasty or Wes Nasty today I was like I'm <laughs> I don't want I don't need that ego the ego boost today I gotta get ready to love pitch. it though
1: it's a great nickname. I hope that uh, you can live up to it and good luck in your next start. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time.
3: No, Of course. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for on.
1: Hayden Wisniewski, the fine young Cub right-hander for uh, a few moments here on Inside the Clubhouse, Bruce. You, the more you hear about him, the more you see of, uh, of him, the more you like, and you hope that he does have the kind of success because he does, he does care about doing well, and, and he would be a great addition if he stays in the rotation all season long. You know, the joyful part for me, other than
2: uh, covering these guys, getting to know them and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, reporting on our website or on our shows, is the, the, the idea that uh, we can present a young guy like this who is uh, really into uh, being able to communicate what they do and and what and how they do it, you know, for the listeners to our show. So that, that's really fun to be able to get that translation and have people hear a uh, young pitcher in the Cubs or White Sox uh, talk to us
1: each week. Let's get back to second-guessing the managers. Yeah, we'll do that when we get back. I got a couple <laughs> questions about the Cubs and the roster decisions that I want to ask Bruce, and we'll get to that next. And Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Welcome back. Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy the score. Bruce Levine, David Hall, until 11 o'clock. Just got done talking to Hayden Wisniewski. Bruce. We have a short segment here, but I want to ask you about what the Cubs are doing in right field. Seiya Suzuki is scheduled to begin his rehab assignment with the Iowa Cubs, who lost their first game of the season on Friday night. Christopher Morrell is down playing for Iowa, leading off and hitting 333. He had a couple clutch hits this week. He's off to a dynamic start. And Miles Masterbone has been playing right field for the Chicago Cubs, providing that left-handed hitting that they seek, I guess, in right field. Where is this position headed? Is it a moot point to wonder about Christopher Morrell's <laughs> spot in this roster once you get, say, a Suzuki back in right field every day?
2: Yeah, I think the commitment from spring training on from the first time David Ross was asked about it was, you know, we want to see Christopher Morrell play every day, okay? So the, I, I knew right away when I heard that, uh, that he wasn't going to be at Wrigley Field. He wasn't going to be at Clark and Addison to begin the year. This is a young man – that has a lot of ability, He hit 15 home runs last year. The first few months of the season, you know, he ingratiated himself with everybody, uh, you know, a great personality, other players, umpires. I mean, he, you know, it's a lovable guy, but the last two months he really struggled last year, uh, hitting the ball and he needs to play every day. If it wasn't going to be at Clark and Addison, David, the right decision was keep him at Iowa, get him 150, 200 at bats first month and a half or two months of the season and then be ready to go uh, there, there's going to be injuries again there's going to be guys that fail to get the job done uh, you will have a spot for Morel somewhere somebody gets hurt in the infield there's a spot for him to come up and prop possibly play every day same thing in the outfield uh you know so the plan is don't let this kid at a tender age and a tender experience level sit on a bench that's not what he needs to do to become better and to really accomplish what he needs to accomplish, he's—he's he's well, a, a great where you young talent. Yeah.
1: yeah, I, I just—I guess I continue to wonder, Bruce, early in the season, where you need injection of enthusiasm, where you might benefit from somebody as charismatic as Christopher Morell is in the clubhouse, if it would make sense to come up to keep him up and to play him at the various positions. I look at the roster and, and I see guys. Like Rios, Rios and, I, and I wonder about Master Boney, and I do wonder if Christopher morell could play four to five times a week under these circumstances. I'm going to keep an open mind. I do think that once Suzuki is back, there will be some, some certainty in the outfield that maybe doesn't exist right now. But I, I guess it's more about what morell could offer this team that wants to win this year, wants to contend this year. This is not a developmental season, Bruce. And I wonder if he could do more – more good than harm in, in Chicago rather than Iowa.
2: Yeah, it is. David, I'll disagree with you for a change. We, we don't often disagree. Uh, it is a, a developmental situation for the Cubs players and their organization, okay? This is not about uh, them necessarily not winning. It's about developing the good young players and getting them the proper at-bats, proper experience in the minor leagues and major leagues, but not sitting You know, this is a young guy that has to play every day. And if it's at third one day and right field the next day and second base the other day, if he's going to be the next Ben Zobris, and I hesitate to say that because there hasn't been too many Ben Zobris ever in baseball that was excellent at every position he played and was a clutch hitter and came off the bench and was always ready to play. If he's going to be that type of player, he needs to play every day. And that doesn't mean necessarily here uh, for the Chicago Cubs at, at, in the major league level. There's still work to be done there. He has outstanding talent, but I, I just don't see – I want to see any young guy called up to the major leagues and just sit on the bench.
1: Well, I kind of know your answer, but quickly I want to ask you about Matt Mervis then. He has got two home runs in his first 19 at-bats. He provides some pop from the left side of the plate that maybe you will want at some point in Chicago – Do you think that he fits under the same category as Morrell or are there different circumstances or criteria that apply? I I think it's different because the position's wide open, okay? If
2: Hosmer's not the guy, if he's not getting the job done, okay, that that position's wide open not only because it's uh, Mervis, but it's a left-handed power bat, okay? It's an experience to be able to play every day, not thinking with morale where you have to just keep juggling him around to other positions. That's a, a wide open spot. So I would I would not hesitate if they felt he was ready after 100 at bats and and uh, Hosmer wasn't getting the job done to put him in there and say, look, you're our everyday guy. At that point, you know, you make a decision on Hosmer. You don't necessarily have uh, him sitting there and wait. You you just open the position up and you say. Dude, you're our first baseman. You're going to be here for a long
1: time. Dude, that will be worth waiting for. I think Matt Mervis will be a guy that you'll like to see at Wrigley Field. And he will be joined by Seiya Suzuki. And Brandon Hughes who will begin their rehab assignments tonight, according to the Cubs' plans for the Iowa Cubs. I think they play St. Paul, and we'll keep an eye on their development as we move forward. Bruce, when we come back, it's time to play our favorite segment, Chin Music, and we'll have plenty to uh, – Plenty of fodder there because it's been an interesting week on the south side with a lot of things to talk about. We'll get into that. But first, I want to remind everybody, coming up tomorrow, it is a Chicago sports doubleheader. First, starting at 1145 on News Radio 780 WBBM, you can hear the Bulls and the Pistons in the regular season finale from the United Center. Then right here on 670, the score and the Odyssey app, Cubs versus Rangers in the series finale from Wrigley Field. Two games of great action right here in Chicago. We are... Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. And we will be back after this to play a little chin music. It's Inside the Clubhouse on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.